Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hello, everybody. Chris Lindsay here with a piping hot brand new episode of Pitch List. I hope everyone is staying safe and sane during these crazy times. And before we start, I want to take a moment and talk to anyone in our audience who is working in the medical field, driving trucks, working in essential businesses, anyone who is risking themselves and their families for all of us. Thank you. You are real heroes, and your courage and selflessness reminds us every day of the true strength and endurance of the human spirit. Before we get to our guest, I also want to tell you that we've had some exciting developments for our little podcast, and I will be announcing them soon, so stay tuned for some cool news. Okay, here we go. A while back, I had a guitar overdub session scheduled with my old buddy Tom Bukovac. We started to catch up, and it occurred to me that I should have him on the podcast. So we rescheduled the overdub and recorded today's episode. A little background, Tom is the go-to guy here in Nashville for session guitar work. He's won Guitar Player of the Year many times. He's a master musician. He plays electric guitar, acoustic guitar, and bass. He's also a hell of a good keyboard player. I could go on and on about his abilities, just check out his credits on all music. He also has a really, really cool YouTube show that's called Homeschooling. So without any further ado, here's Tom Bukovac. Hey, we've got a special treat today. I, uh, I'm going to tell the whole story. Oh, so yeah. we were set up today to do a guitar overdub uh, at noon. And this uh, mystery guitar player comes in who I hadn't seen in quite a while. Yeah, it's been a while. And we have been uh, buds for a long, long time. Long time. And uh, the more I talked to him, the more I thought, man, I've been wanting to have him on the podcast forever. And so we're going to blow off the guitar overdub <laughs> and do an episode of Pitch List with the, in my opinion, top my favorite electric guitar player in the world. No, in the world. Tom Bukovac. Thank you, Chris. That's mighty kind of you. Have you ever heard of Jimi Hendrix? Uh, <laughs> I'm not familiar with his work. Have you ever heard of Jimmy Page? No, I've... Uh, uh, okay. Does he work in the rock milieu? <laughs> All right, I didn't even know you had a podcast. And, and uh, man, I love it. Why is it called Pitch List? Um, pitch list is that little sheet they give writers oh, yeah. that shows who's yeah. cutting, who's yeah, looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It always says the same thing. Yeah. Great songs. Yeah. Have but, you ever but, gotten any action off of one of those lists? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, well, no, because you know everything yeah, that's on there. Right, I, I right. mean, by the time you're kind of really doing this, like right, you know right. all the people on there, you know their yeah. artists. Typically, you, you would know more. Yes. I mean... Most writers in in it, deep in it, right yeah. at that moment, they could probably correct that pitch list. Totally. 
you know, like, oh, well, last week he did this or this, and actually he broke up with her, so he's not going to do a love song for another (laughs) month or two until he meets another girl. (laughs) Well, it doesn't surprise me that you have a podcast, because I've always said since we met each other, God, what, early 90s, Mm -hmm. me and this guy used to sit in dark rooms and try to write songs, and I'm not a good songwriter. He always was. But we, one of the things I remember is just having these amazing conversations. God, and I was just a kid back in those days. I, but I remember just thinking, man, you're so easy to talk to. And I've always said, Chris Lindsay, anytime your name comes up, I always say, brilliant conversationalist. Well, that's always sweet. super fun to talk you, to. Yeah, man. and we yeah. had... We had Deep a, thinker. Through the years. Yes. And it's funny, we will get together we might have not seen each other for yeah, two or three years yeah. and we go right back uh, into yeah, the immediate yeah. into the deepest yes no uh, surface talk none never has been. no yeah. you we will walk up give each other a hug and tom's <laughs> like let me ask you a question now would you consider uh you know what do you think about the idea of dante's suffering and good people suffering and you're like but I love it because we both yeah, love it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I'm thinking we probably I don't know ne- shit about Dante. No, I. <laughs> I was just trying to be fancy. I don't know. But we get philosophical. We do. The last time we did, we sat in a. You were had one of that what we used to call the serial killer van. You remember that yes. one? Yes. You, you remember Craig Wiseman threw that big party over at the Parthenon. Yes. Like the yoga toga party. Yes. Yes. And I and your wife Sarah was there, and yes. I'm like, "Where's Tom?" And she's like, "He's out there." And I, I go out there to talk to you in the truck, and we sat in that van for like two hours talking while that whole party. And then yeah, when I, when we got when I left, they're like they were all drunk and like we're leaving. God, you know what? You know why I ended up in that van? Mm-mm. Why, oh, man? Uh, I've never been able to puff the the magic pipe without successfully. It, it messes with my head. You know what I mean? Not a big fan myself. Yeah, it makes me a bit mental. And uh, we were at that party and it was like a real toga party. But I didn't I didn't realize that these people were going to have these elaborate, you know, full body covering togas. Yeah. And I literally just Craig. came in. Yeah. It's like they got a Hollywood costume totally. designer. Totally. And like they had like $5,000 outfits on. Dude. It's and, crazy. And I came in in the Animal House sheet with the me too with the uh you know a couple of safety pins are holding it together and everybody yeah. was like dude whoa and i like it's shown way too much you know wow yeah and i and then like i took a hit off that thing and, and then as soon as i did i started going to the dark mental place and then all the things this thing started falling off me <laughs> <laughs> and i was getting like really self-conscious and i said I, sarah i'm gonna go get in get in the car and she's like she's like i can't leave you i just got her i'm like yeah it's fine but I'll just be in the car. <laughs> it worked out great because I'm like, where's Tom? He's he's out in the car. Like, All right. Then we talked a, we talked for probably an hour. We sat there and just pivotal moments. Caught up. Yeah. So we first met in 1993, uh, maybe yeah, or 94. Yeah, right around there. Yeah. I remember uh, I somehow I knew somebody. I got I got hired to play bass for that. What was her name? Michelle. Right. Michelle McCord. Michelle McCord. Yeah. And I'd been in town maybe six months right. and I, um, I show up, I came in late, so we didn't, there was no chit chatting. I got right to plug my bass in to go. And then, you know, she was giving some directions in the middle of it. And I remember looking over at you and we had just said, Hey, that's it. Yeah. But while she was talking, I don't know if you remember this, you, you know, you did a volume swell, but when you swelled up, you had a tritone that a freight train uses. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like a like a train horn. 
yeah. which is three notes. Yeah. Sometimes they're five. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's usually three. And you had that in, you played that interval and swelled up the volume and it was like, and it sounded just like a freight train Yeah, and it just freaked me out. <laughs> I'm like, how did that fucker figure that out? This was pre pre Google. Yeah. Like you can't, now yeah. you can Google what are the tones of a train horn. Yes. You could probably people know regional yeah. differences, right. you know, but back then there wasn't a Google and I'm thinking, how did he figure that out? I did it the hard way. How'd you do it? Just experiment? Just listening. Yeah. I mean. I don't have perfect pitch or anything like that, but but uh, I get pretty close. I'll, I'll miss by half steps here and there. But man, when I hear something like, I'm not like our buddy Gordon Moat, who is an absolute case study of just what the kind of untapped power is in the human brain, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I just am fascinated. I saw him this morning, actually. Piano player. Yeah, the best. And uh, Incredible. Blind since birth. Absolute genius, man. But anyway, yeah, like I just was always, you know, fascinated with like pitch, you know, and all that stuff. And I love hearing sounds and stuff and trying to figure out what pitches they are in my head, you know, right. car horns and things like that. I think we all do that. Musicians do. Yeah. I never. Weirdo musicians. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing yeah. with players, I like figuring so. out yeah. different car horns, how to do them. Yeah. And, and I like, I like, you know, I have an amazing retention of, um, I've always had it since I was a kid. So. Um, I want to talk about your story because I think people, I know people will be really interested. Um, so you moved here from Cleveland. Yeah, man. I came here in 1992. I was 24. Yep. And you grew up playing in your mother's bar? Yeah. And surrounding biker bars, you know, back in those days. Not, I don't mean mountain bikers. <laughs> Built my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now a biker bar is like a bunch of really healthy people. Right, you know? right. Real biker bar <laughs> yeah, where real. you could get stabbed. Yeah. So my childhood was, was insane. I, I mean, I've done a couple other podcasts where I've gone through all this stuff, and I'll try not to repeat myself. But it was, it was you know, it was actually the ideal sort of, um, you know, Petri dish to grow a guitar player from, you know, because I had, it was, guitar is the ultimate sort of escape tool you know and um man I, I didn't think anything about holding up in the room for six to eight hours a day and I, I always say that i'm so glad that i learned how to play music pre-internet pre-social media and all that stuff because how come because of the, i feel like it's all just a massive distraction you know I am sucked into it as bad as anyone, although I don't do any social media whatsoever, and I'm right. a crusade against it, honestly. But I feel like it's ruined the world. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, I thought the world was a lot cooler before social media came along. Yeah, I think that social media creates just such pressure on people to 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 appear to be something that they're not. It doesn't encourage anyone to be honest about their struggle or what's really going on. And I don't know how people can improve themselves and have quality lives if they, if they can't be honest about their struggles and their failures. Your failure is what makes your life happen. Absolutely. As long as you get up. Yeah, exactly. So I'm with you on that, man. And I love the mystery that used to be in the world before everyone knew what everyone was doing. Wow. Right. I hate the fact that people know what I'm doing because what my wife posts Right. I hate that. I would rather no one know what I'm doing ever. Well, and I think, you know, 
you've made your living for years as a player, but I actually know you're a great writer. And you're an artist. You're really an artist. Thank you, man. And when, when someone hires you, they're bringing your artistry to their project. Um, as an artist, and me as a fan of you, I think the way it used to be was better when we did have mystery. We had mystery. We I didn't know. It. We had a record cover. We had pictures. We had like liner notes. And mm. then we could look at that while we listened to the record. And we could have to fill in the blanks with the rest. Yeah, use your imagination. And it ma- to me, it made those people that we probably both admired as kids right. seem way bigger than social media. Where You know. I, I agree. I feel I like agree. a million-year-old man talking about this because, you know. No, I get it. it. it the, the world's never going to change. But I keep thinking there's some fantasy in my mind. Like one day the world's going to wake up and go, Tom Bukovac, you were right. <laughs> we're all quitting. We're all going to go back to, you know. You what? know? I, I, I will predict that our children's generation at some point, I don't know when, will have a giant movement. Mass. Mass exodus. movement yeah. where they dump it. God, it'd be and, amazing. And a lot of them will go, and a lot of them won't, but I think there oh, will man. be a mass movement be that'll be like, F this shit. When we were little, the, our version of social media was writing on bathroom walls in bars and gas stations. Yep. Right? If you had wow. something you wanted to say. You could do it that you way. You could do it that way. And I thought that was cooler. Did you ever notice there's no writing on bathroom walls anymore? No, I haven't. Nobody writes on them. No. Why not? Probably because they got social media. media. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. You don't need to. Yeah, you don't. don't, uh, (laughs) Why write on a bathroom wall when you can... This kills me. It kills me. And and I, you know, probably a lot of people listening to this would be like, well, you're just lost, bro. Well, look, we're not saying we we understand that it's not going to change no but never gonna but change. we're right <laughs> we are right <laughs> sorry i've but, always want i thought the other day it's like man i'd like to make like a uh, loser instagram yeah <laughs> it's like the only thing you're allowed to post is something that went horribly wrong yes that would probably go really well actually you know what i mean like you can idea. only post bad shit yeah. like embarrassing stuff yes. like i lied to my wife or pissed the bed last night yeah i shit the bed yeah <laughs> Yeah, you can only put horrible, and you have like some sort of AI moderator that pulls out anything good or redeeming. Yeah, exactly. I totally fell for one of those Craigslist scams. Yeah, yeah. You just go on and post the stupid shit yeah. you did in the last twenty-four hour period. Well, you know, like that, that's what I was saying is the, the whole like, getting lost in your room and playing guitar thing was like right. ideal for me. You know, right. like I would just. I mean, it, I never felt like I was missing anything. I would just be buried in there. Oh man. And you know the ten ten thousand hours thing that people yeah. talk about, man. I mean, I mean, I I can't even tell you how much time I've put into this. I've given everything to this, man. Right, right. And I'm not saying I should get some special award or anyone who has put the ten thousand hours to get the special reward. But man, I can sure as hell tell when someone has put those hours in and when they haven't. You know what I'm saying? I do know because it, it's painful, man, and it hurts. Right. You know, it's like, and it's for the. It goes for anything. This goes for sports. You know, there's no way around it. Right. It's like, how do you write songs? It's like, man, you write about 500 shitty ones, right. and then you'll be that much better. <clears throat> right. Right. You'll right. you'll learn how to screw up a song almost every way possible. Totally. And then that's a good level playing ground to see if you might do something inspiring. The positive side of this is if anybody's listening to this, if you're interested in the music business or really, it's really anything, man. Yeah, it's anything. It's, anything. it's not just that. Yeah. Um, the bad news is that it's at least 10,000 hours. Yeah, at least. To get to be a craftsman. At least. Okay. 
the good news is it's 10,000 hours. Yeah. Get cracking. Right. It's, it's a lot of hours, but it's in your control. Yeah. And I feel like there's only, I've said this before, I feel like there's only time enough in one lifetime to get really good at one, and maybe if you're lucky, two things. I agree with it. I mean, to get great. To get great at it. Yeah, truly great. And, and, that's, and that's, you know, I look, I look around at people that are doing amazing things that I wish I knew how to do. Like, for example, watch some amazing show about some guy who can rebuild an old 55 Chevy, like from the ground up and make it look incredible. I would love to be able to do that, but yeah. I have no mechanical inclination whatsoever. But I, I think but to myself, you could. I mean, if I would have to have a whole nother life, yeah. you know, and I yeah. would have studied it the way I studied guitar and I'd be making some, some cool cars. You made me think of something. Let me ask you this question. So, uh, you, uh, you have, you know, sacrificed, yeah. you know, and you know, cause we've known each other a long yeah, time and long we've time. both had, yeah. m- you know, years and, and, yeah. you know, many down moments. Yes. Um, you've made this sacrifice to become one of the best in the world at what you do. Now, when you switch and say you want to do this other thing, even if it's a hobby, right? Or maybe you're going to be in step into this gig, or you're interested in something else. Yeah. Do you find that you're kind of screwed up totally, by by yeah. your by your Level, expectations totally. of of your? Yeah. I don't know how to say that. Oh God, I get it. Like I like um, I play chess, man. I play tons of chess. I. Anytime I have free time and I'm, and are you looking to 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 push it yeah. to the level that you had with guitar? Yeah, but I'm terrible at it. Right. You know, it's really it, frustrating, isn't it? Oh god. I mean, like I'm happy to get up to an 1100 rating and that's like truly beginner level rating. And it's like I would I keep playing and playing and playing thinking, man, I'm, I know I'm going to get better if I keep going. But I I just think I think you're born with some of that too, you know. But I've always I'm always thinking about you know, I feel like not to get all deep. I know no, you're asking about. I love it. I feel like dreams that we have. I thought I, I was just talking about this with a friend recently. When you have you have these crazy dreams, what dreams are to me are are just an illustration of how little of our brains we're actually using. It blows my mind. Like in my dreams, I'll be like reading full pages of text and and like making these amazing songs and stuff. And then as soon as I come to to consciousness. It's all completely shut down, and I'm now a prisoner of of my childhood experiences and I mean, everything that's in it, inhibiting and restricting me as a human on this earth since we were little. You know, oh, I can't do that. I can't. I can't. You know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you get to this place where you. Like, I try to remember one tiny percentile of that amazing stuff that was going on in my dreams. Can't remember any of it as uh, as I'm conscious. You know, you know, there's people who have found ways to sort of harness tap that, into, tap that. into that. Man. Well, I know what you're talking about in a dream oh, where man. where it just seems like effortless. Effortless. Everything is effortless. Oh yeah, and you're doing these amazing things. I'm like reading books and I'm yeah. looking at the pages and the words are there. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could you brain move that fast where you can actually? I mean, if you try to sit down and write that fast to even catch up to it in conscious world, you'd never right. be able to get close. No. So you know that it's in there somewhere, right? Yeah. It isn't. I think we oh, are. Yeah. And no. I think I don't think there really is a, such a thing as a genius or a savant. I, I don't think so either. It's just some people are just, we all have it. Right? I agree. And I, uh, I get people that fight with me all the time. I will say, somebody will say, well, they're just gifted. Right. It's like, well, I think, I mean, th- that's true. Yeah, there true. are people that are gifted. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that is true. But it's misleading for the rest of us. Yeah. Because the implication is 
if you're not gifted, you're screwed, yeah. which is not true. It, no. It's really hard work. Yeah. And I think it I think it really takes away from the idea of bust your ass and get good at this yeah. and you'll make it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then you have to look at this one thing. Okay. Yeah. I, all, anyone who knows me knows that I'm the biggest Beatles freak that's ever lived, right? Since I was a child, my older siblings have spoon fed me Beatles so much you're like your son. And man... They're the greatest. The, They're the best. Those it, songs are the best ever. If I was ever going, if there was ever a case for, I don't know, just joking around here, sort of an alien sort of, uh, uh, you some, know, some, some sort, sort of, of intervention. <laughs> yeah. How were that? How was that done by people? Right. How did human beings get in a room and come up with that much? It's just TNT, man. Yeah. I mean, and and what are the odds of McCartney and Lennon? teaming up oh, either man. one of them are just monsters oh, by man. themselves i mean it's like you know we both have young kids my kids are younger than yours my my boys are seven and four and we drive to school every morning and i'm just constantly grilling them as i've done since they were little i mean all of the shit that they, they need to know rock and roll all the stuff and the music they need to know and i'm and they're so responsive and so yeah accepting of I mean, they all are like little musicologists. Like, I play them. Every, I mean, my 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 four year old's favorite artist is Paul Westerberg. Wow, the replacements. Yeah, I mean, that is that crazy. How many four year olds? That's crazy. You know, and they're they're so there's all, something about the replacements. Yeah, he just, he just, I love that stuff too. Yeah, Beatles. You know, uh, they love uh, Bowie. They yeah, lo- they love Queen. They there love, is you know, something going yeah, on yeah. because my kids. So, uh, twenty two. 19, 17, and 12 mm-hmm. eat alive with anything from 72 to yeah. 90. Oh, yeah. Young kids are locked into that music era. You know why? I'm, that's <laughs> what I want you to tell me. <laughs> well, I have my own theory about it. I just feel like the, the amount of creativity that was in that music was a sort of perfect storm in, in a place in humanity that could never happen again. It was like there was you were rewarded in those days for being different and people rewarded them wow. not just not just you know financially but with accolades but but like no one was trying to be like anyone else you know like you could have a ridiculous sort of novelty song that got on the radio back in those days and it, and people would be like loving it you know and because it was like so different than anything else they'd ever heard i i remember working one time in the in the in the studio, I made a two-week record with uh, Cindy Lauper, right? And uh, one thing she's—I was just talking about this on a session yesterday. One thing she said, it was a you know, it was an up and down sort of thing. We, you know, it wasn't all smooth there. But at one point, she goes, "Okay, so what are you, you going to do on the intro?" And then somebody started play, playing something, like a, a sound on a keyboard or something. And she goes, she listened to it. She goes, "All right, that's a world." I remember her saying that, like, and I thought it was so cool how, yeah, because here's what we're all like those songs, like when you hear the intro to Hotel California or you hear the intro to uh, Whiter Shade of Pale or or, or some th- these songs when they come on, man, they are worlds, man. They yeah, are, they, they you are instantly transported into yes a complete you you can't run from it. It's it's got you. It's like. You know, you it's like being transported totally. And it's like, I think that when you when you're coming across like that on a record and how could a kid hear that and not be blown away with it? Right. 
records today are cool yeah. and there's great ideas and they're hooky and, and all that stuff. But I don't think they have that same sort of transporting power. And I don't think I'm saying I, I that. I think they're headed, they, they, they are headed in a totally different direction. Yeah. They're not even looking that way. They're not even looking It's not that even way. that kind of experience. It's not even that. And, I, and I, there's a part of my brain that says, you're probably only saying that because you're old now and you only like the music that you like when you're a kid. But I, there's a part of me that says, you know what, I still think I'm, I think that, that's different. It is different. Yeah. I've thought this through. And of course, I know everything. <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> It, it obviously we could think that because that's the music yeah. of our youth. Yeah. You know, a lot of that was before our youth yeah. really, but yeah. we had older brothers yeah. and friends and whatever, yeah. but, uh, they're gravitating toward this because they're not getting something in the new stuff. Yeah. Right. Or they think this is better or, I mean, there's really no way around that. And I think you're right. It is, it is, you know, like Moody Blues, I got yeah. that song in my head now. Like it was, it was like it was like taking a pill. Totally, and they were all different pills. Yeah, and as soon as it started, bam, you were off, oh, and it was a great ride. Yeah, man. And yeah. it was, and you could, you could, you could escape with that. Yeah, man. Man, and, and someone told me the other day the Beatles had a total of like two hundred and fifty songs or something. You know, you know the number. I don't. Uh, and they, I saw the interview with McCartney. He said every single time that him and John got together, they, they ended up with a complete song. They never had a failure. Did you ever see that? Nope. Crazy, but right? It's crazy. Yeah. You know, something you learn in Nashville, there is a magic to collaboration. Yeah. If it's a good one. Totally. It's like that on Sessions, too. I, like, the molecules change in the room when one person who has been crucial to what's going on leaves. Right. You got five guys, an engineer, a couple players, a writer or singer or something, and you got some magic stuff going on, and everyone's totally digging it. If one of those people just steps out, right. or, something, or they've all, got another yeah, session got another at six, six yeah, and another and guy different now. Play, replaces them, but you yeah. guys stay. Then it's all different. Chemistry is amazing, and like I study it constantly. Like on sessions, it's like sometimes you get five or six really great players all in a room and you think it's going to be amazing because this guy's great this guy's great and then you start playing and it doesn't sound right and then sometimes you'll have you know one amazing guy two sort of you know up-and-coming guys or and a couple of guys who aren't really doing it that much anymore you know kind of past their and you get together in a room and it's like it just sounds incredible like for some reason that combo Everybody's feeling the downbeats right in the same place, and everybody's sort of you know feeding off each other in a cool way. It's, it amazes me. You can't predict it. You can't predict it. Here's a question, and I didn't really prepare for our interview, so I'm winging it here. Totally. But this just came in my mind. So were you ever on a songwriter demo session? It's just a rocking, and it's like you love it, and they're not loving yeah. it in the, yeah. the writer. Or have you been in a session where – they are going crazy for what you're doing, and you're thinking this is all wrong. Yeah. Have you had both of those happen? Oh, yeah, totally. I yeah, for sure. I I don't really trust myself usually. Like if I if I I could walk out of a session thinking that was horrible and it'll end up being a hit. You know. Have you had yeah, that oh, happen? God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And vice so wait, versa. let's back up. That's interesting. Yeah. So you the, you tell so so you did the record. Yeah. And when you left that night, yeah. you were like. Yeah, Awful. this is terrible, right? Yeah, but it, but man, you never know, man. Because my I don't I don't think that my personal tastes in music line up very closely with what is trending or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. But I I remember in this very room that we're sitting right now, one of the um, one of the most hilarious and wise things that anybody's ever said to me. You said I'll never forget it. We were working on a project. 
you were producing a singer who shall remain nameless. Uh, and we started working on the first track and it wasn't going well. I remember you weren't happy with the way it was sounding. And you said, all right, guys, full band. You said, take a break. We're all going to lunch. And, uh, and we didn't get the track yet. And, uh, I stuck around behind everybody else went and I just kind of ended up just being me and you in the room. Like it always usually ends up. And, uh, I go, man, I'm sorry. I just can't find anything for this. I can't really, I felt like it was my fault that this, this thing's not working. And you go, dude, this is not the band's fault. He goes, you said if Van Morrison was in there singing, this track would be happening. And you, in your mind, you were saying, you were thinking that your singer who you were trying to was not delivering and not driving the right. band the way a great singer should. And I remember when you said that, I was like, wow, dude, that is, that is so deep because, you know, musicians tend to always blame themselves, you know, if the thing's not right. happening right. But, but the age old thing that real musicians know is that the singer is driving the energy of this without an amazing vocal performance to like inspire the musicians to play a cool thing. It's not going to ever be as good as it could be. Right. Which is totally why I don't understand this whole modern way of recording where you go into a session now and everything's on a template and the vocals already done and you're playing to a, you know, half finished song with the, with the vocals already there. I was on a session the other day with another guy who shall remain nameless and we were trying to do that. We're trying to play along with these templates of these songs where, where the vocals are already on there. And I said, I said to the guy, I didn't even know him very well. I go, can you, can you sing like that live? And he goes, yeah, man, I think so. I go, well, well then fucking get in there and do it. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because you know that an inspired vocal performance is going to inspire the musicians to play better, right? Yeah. And he was like, wow, I never thought about that. And I said, yeah, it's true, I'm telling you. And so he went in there and he started singing his vocals live for the rest of the session and it helped greatly. It's yeah. like, I mean. <laughs> if you get any really just reasonable players in a right. room. Okay, yes. not, you're just reasonable. Yeah, Okay. capable. Capable. Yes. And you throw a hit song in there. Yes, yes. A real hit song. Yeah. With an okay singer, right. you're going to have a hit record. Right. If you throw a hit song with a great singer, you're going to have like a multiple week number one record. <laughs> you're going to be right? picking out with the word of Even Grammys. if you've got a big enough song you throw in there, you can have a shitty singer yeah. and you're still going to have a hit record. Yeah, yeah. So you can, there's just levels of what you need. Totally. And uh, now, if you throw a mediocre song in there and a mediocre singer, now we're going to be talking about these players. Right. Now we're going to be talking about who can do what. You were so, who's the, who's the, so who, right. who's the real it, monster dude. gorilla in the room who's going to take this <laughs> fucking uh, not working thing and defy the gods <laughs> and make something happen? Not for this amount of money. That, that's how it is. That's how it is that's to it, me. Man. Here's another thing, too, along those lines that I, I thought is, is another thing you sort of realize as you get a bit older. Um, you know, like you said, any group of, you know, you know, capable, reasonable musicians, if you give them a great song, they can come up with cool parts. Right. But there, there's a whole breed of musicians in this town that can make amazing parts out of nothing. Yeah. 
I mean, you they have no crude materials to work with. They're just the most banal, empty, hollow shell of a song, and they can walk out there and create magic out of it. Absolutely. And that is amazing, but I would rather be the other guy who plays on a cool song because in the end, it's still just emptiness. I, I like I used to hire guys when someone would say to put the, put a band together for me. Like you hire the guys, I would always get guys that I thought could make something out of nothing. Because in case it was nothing, right, 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 we would end up with something usable. But now, as I've gotten older, I, I really don't even care about that anymore. I I, I feel like if if the writer brings nothing for the for the for the people to no crew material to turn into anything, then w w what are we even doing there? Right, right. What are we even doing there? I mean, right. it's not going to matter. My uh, and, and again, no no names should be mentioned. But a dear friend of mine was was producing a young female singer, and uh, he kept playing it for the label head guy. And the and the the label head guy says, "Yeah, it's it's good good tracks and everything, but she's you know, can you bring?" Can you, you, he goes, you know who Sarah Buxton is? Who, who's my wife, right? Who is an amazing yeah. singer. She is one, even, of, the, even yeah, one of my favorites in town. If I wasn't even married to her, I would say that. Oh, she's incredible. But the guy says, you know, can you, 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 gotta, you gotta get Sarah Buxton to teach this girl how to, how to sing a chorus. And, and I'm like, okay, so I was just trying to be nice and I went home to my sweet wife who I, you know, I respect her musicianship amazingly. And I, and I said, hey, so and so was asking him if you'd come in and help this girl, and like do do the thing, and she and not, she doesn't even had no idea who the girl is or anything. She was just basically she was like fuck that. She was like I'm not going. I, why would I do that? There's so many amazing singers out there already who aren't getting anything. Yeah, really? Why should I go waste time? And at first I thought she was being extremely like cold. I was like damn girl, uh, wow that's pretty cold blooded, you know. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like damn she's right. It's like she could walk in that room and the first take. Oh my take, God. She'd killed in first and, take. And, and there are, and there have always been, you know, there's a handful of singers in yeah. this town at any given time right. who, for what unknown reason, don't have a record deal, right. who, who are amazing. One take singers. One take singers. Yeah. That are just, that are just special. Transcendental. I don't, well, God, just for two seconds, let me go off. Because I talked to my wife about this. You know, she's a songwriter for a living, like you guys are, you and your wife. And I don't know how y'all do it, man. I mean, I couldn't imagine getting in a room with people and just trying to, you know, come up with something that no one has come up with before. I can't, I can't imagine. Well, people do that on sessions all the time. They put that kind of heat on you. There's a certain way you could, you could, you can really like ruffle musicians' feathers. Can you talk about this? Like how not yeah. to deal with oh, musicians, yeah. right? Of, Is that where of, you're going with that? Plenty of ways like, not to. Here's a few surefire ways yeah. to shut your entire <laughs> playing staff down. Oh, the icy wind of the talk back when you when a group of musicians collectively give up all at once. Boy, nothing like it. It's a big thing, man. Oh man, I think of all the million thoughts that are fl flooding my mind. The one thing that stands out the most is the uh, I, I have this old saying that there's two qualifications a person has to have for me to follow them down the craziest rabbit hole from the other side of the glass. Okay, when it, when it's a writer, producer, engineer, or something, when I'm in there playing or whatever, and and they hit the talk back, 
there's two things they have to have. One of these two things they must have. They either have to be really nice or they have to be a genius. Those are my two things. And if they have one of those qualifications, I will, I will follow them anywhere they could possibly dream, even if I know it's wrong. I will, I will go anywhere. I'll like do the craziest thing that they want me to do, just, just, just because I have, I, I feel like it's my job, right? Right. Now, if you don't have either one of those, I'm out. Right. I'm sorry. And when you say you're out, elaborate on. Check that. out. You check out mentally. You're like. So you're just gonna play a stock part. Yeah. You just. You're, it's basically like you know you're playing a live gig and all somebody in the crowd really pissed you off. You just want to get off the stage as possible, as fast as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to give anything special or any, any extra. You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm a very like sort of offering, you know, I realize that- You're an artist. Being a session player is a, is a service industry. I've always joked about that. I'm trying to get people jumping up and down with excitement. That's what I'm always wanting. I want to play something that, that, that they're going, fuck, dude. That's and you killer. do. Oh, I try, yeah. man, I try. Yeah. But when they're not, and they sometimes don't, I, I, I think, well, you know, maybe I'm the wrong guy for this gig or whatever. But now, you know, when you're talking on the talk back to musicians, you got to be very careful. I mean, uh, there's certain, you can never come across condescending. That's the one thing that's going to just Im- immediately shut give, down. Give us an example. Oh, man. You, you know, like you can't say something to somebody that's... Uh, can any can in any way be taken as a sort of an insult, you know? Like, oh God, I don't know. Man. You do something else on the guitar. That's 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 too country, or something like that. It may not sound like a bit of an insult, but it kind of is because you're thinking that the guy you're basically saying, oh, you're not hip enough to know right, what's right. really it's cool. It's a judgment. Which, yeah, uh, you know, it's things like that. They're not. They're not. They may not even be meant as sort of stabs, but they, boy, musicians will sure they'll sort well, of take it that way. You know what? There's an amplification of emotion that goes on yes. between the glass, as yes. you said. Yes. When you're on the other side, and then yes. the people on the other side of the glass are listening and deciding. Right. Right. So that sets up this dynamic. Something that in real life would just not bother you, all of a sudden starts bothering you. Right. Because all musicians are totally insecure. Everyone's insecure. Everyone. And And that, like I said, that environment amplifies it. Oh, my God. When I said earlier about a genius, you know, that could be that other qualification. There's a lot of people that are, that are known to be not very nice people, but they have done amazing things. And they have a track record to prove that they know what the hell they're doing in the studio. And I'm right. cool. I'm cool with that, man. I'm like, I'm like, this guy I can't stand this guy, but look at the records he's made. Yeah. And I'll be like, you know, man, he knows what he's doing. And you, you might know. be thinking you might learn something. Yeah, you might learn something. You might pick right? up something. Exactly. You so know, it's worth it to kind of Oh, totally. Totally. But yeah, like that whole thing is you just got to be careful, man. You know, you can't it's, there's there's this there's this whole world of etiquette in the studio that musicians have to learn, that engineers have to learn, that writers have to learn that producers have to learn. There's just so many landmines that a young person, even without ill intent, could just randomly step on, man. There's so much to it. And you, I feel like every day you just keep learning and learning. And yeah. Learning. You know, it's it's like, um, it's called boardside manner, right? That's what people always say. Is that what this they guy, say? This okay. guy's got great boardside manner. Like, some people have a, I'll say this, you know, like, some people have a really good way of keeping the vibe up on a session, right. you know. 
producers, you know, like they don't they don't ever let things drag down in the weeds because that's where danger comes. When when you grind something so hard, and I know this is true for writers as well. Yeah, you you can just go to a dark place that you can't recover from. Yep. Right. So I will say I've worked for a, a ton of amazing producers in my life, and they all are completely different. There's no right way to produce a record. I'm firmly convinced of this, but there's one thing that all of these people have in common. What's that? They all have total control of the session, right? I don't care if you're one of those producers that, that talks a lot and is very hands-on, or you're one of those producers that hardly says anything and just sort of lets the vibe happen, but man, when you say something, if you lose control on a session, these guys are like wild animals, yep. man, you know? There's got to be somebody who has control. And it is difficult when you're producing to ride the line between knowing yes. that if you if 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 they yes. get away from you, yeah. They all have their own problems. Totally. And they're all one guy could be mad about something happened on another yeah. session. Or this I mean, there's all kind of drama waiting if that door gets open. You got to keep it closed. Keep it closed. But at the same time, you have to you want to keep everybody uh happy and giving yes. because they have things to give you yes and you got to keep them in that place yes thanks for listening everybody pitch list will be right back I think the one big thing in our world, this world, you actually work in a lot of worlds, but the country songwriting world and the demo world, where we were, especially back when we hired live bands all right, the time. Right. Um, the, the, the killer is expectation. So Absolutely. the writer comes in Absolutely. with the song he loves yeah. that he thinks is this kind of song. It's yeah. one of these. Yeah. It's like, this is my desperado. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the band fires it up and starts playing it like Led Zeppelin. And he's like, or yeah. that's a bad reference, but it's it's not that far away from Desperado, but it's not Desperado, yeah. right? Right. And then all of a sudden, he's his only thought: How do I get this back to what I thought it was? Yeah. And then all the musicians who've heard it for the first time, right there, and probably have a more clear picture of what it really is. Right. You're not relying on them. Right. You're now still insisting that it's one of those. Right. And that's what I see as the biggest problem. And learning to, as a writer and producing your demos, learning to let go and let your guys do you a favor. Sometimes. 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 One of the things that I feel like, okay, this is pretty, you, I think this is going to get your brain going. I mean, uh, one of the things that I'm very sensitive to in music, and I feel I always have been this way, is every sound that happens every sound that anybody makes on an instrument or a vocal has an emotion attached to it right yep every sound that comes through those speakers is going to make someone listen to it think something and i just feel like when somebody writes a song they have a lyric they have an intention of what the mood of the song is supposed to portray in the lyrics and Sometimes in in yeah in the lyric and oh you mean the whole package in the whole package okay. right there's there's a there's a target emotion right 
there's there's an intent there like and I just what I do as a player is I try to totally zone in on what that emotional target is and I want to make sure that everything that I'm playing is fitting totally in wow. that in that in that I ask people constantly on sessions what is your intended emotional target on the song what do you want this to make people feel when they hear it and, and when they usually can explain it I want it to be a kind of a sad thing but but a little bit reflective I'd be like Cool. That helps me so much. So, okay, I love this. So say it's sad and reflective. Yeah. Where would you go on guitar? What are some go-to oh, areas? Man. Sad and reflective guitar. You know, I've got p- piles of that. What key we in? Right. You okay. know, I mean. Like, so you just got to, you have a yeah. whole warehouse full oh, of God. licks and structures. Yeah, because would... in my mind, I'm going, to, I'm, I have like this sort of cataloging type brain. I'm like of all these millions of records that I've listened to. I can like pull them out like flashcards, man. Like what you know, this emotion? What was it like? And I and um, it's great. And then I feel like a lot of times on sessions, man, when things are going horribly wrong, it's because people are off the intended emotional target. They're not agreeing. They're not agreeing. Just the other day, on a massive big record, uh, with a couple of bunch of legends, man, I was playing with, and and, uh, and we're working on this one song, and I could tell the artist wasn't feeling it and we kept playing it and the producers were trying to talk the artist into liking it and he wasn't having it yeah and i said to the guy i said to the one of the producer guys because i can't shut this part of my brain off i said well when you think about it what he's singing about doesn't the music that we're playing right here is very sort of somber and sort of sad and that's not what he's singing about it was a mismatch of conceptions about what this thing should be. And I, and the artist himself wasn't maybe capable of explaining what was sure. bugging him about it. Cause he's maybe not that kind of guy. No, but he's probably a great singer. Yes, he has he a, he has an innate feel he, for what's working and what's it. not. He feels it. And so I mentioned it to the producer. I said, what if we try making the music a little more like what he's singing about? You know, so bass, such a, what a concept. And we, and he goes, all right, yeah, man, you're right, man, you're you're right. And uh, he was open-minded, and he he said, "Okay, guys, we're gonna raise the tempo a little bit, and we're gonna go out there and play it more like this." And, and uh, we did, and sure enough, boom, boom, artists loved it. Everything was, and I feel like when you listen to a song, even if you have nothing to do with the writing or the playing of it, and you hear a song, we can all sense there's something wrong. There's certain sounds in this record that don't that they're not jiving on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, I, a lot of people just hear the song and they go, I just don't like this. Right. And the reason they don't like this, even though they can't articulate it, is because there is not a clear emotional target being hit. There's sounds that don't fit into that. Into that. What, I, hey man, that's big. Let's sit on this a second. That, yeah. I have never thought of this. Oh man. So it's like an emotional incongruence. It's totally. like, it's like yeah. there are, it, the song is fighting itself yes. as to where it wants to be emotionally 100 and and that's uncomfortable for everyone. maybe from when, when people hear it it's just uncomfortable oh yeah because when you hear a great record yeah like let's just throw out a totally random i've, I've been tripping on uh go at old gordon lifefoot song sundown when you listen to that record man or any great record i'm just throwing this out of a million examples i could have given all the shit's hitting on the right cylinders like the vocal the lyric the music, all the sounds are all like right where they need to be. Radiohead record or a Pink Floyd record or a Beatle record. 
if the song's supposed to be exciting, all the sounds are exciting. If the song's supposed to be super dark, all the sounds are dark. There are examples I've noted where, where intentionally the music of a song is completely opposed to the sentiment of the lyric right. on purpose. And that, yes. can, that can be a very cool effect. Yep. For example, uh, the old Cars song on the first record, Good Times Roll. This, the lyrics about let the good times roll, but the music is super computerized, dark, yeah. and sort of robotic. Robotic, and it's that I always wondered why I loved that song so much when I was a kid, and I think that's what I was picking up on. It was like this purposeful fight between, yeah, let the good times roll, and then you get the music. Let so the does not sound like roll. that. It's amazing, right? You can, yeah. you can you can use the effect in a in a vi yeah. vice versa way. Yeah, I've always and like in songwriting, we've always called that uh, cross casting. Cross casting. I yeah. call it that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. So it's like if you got a sad lyric and you do it like uh, McGraw, just to see you smile. Yeah. Just to see. Yeah. I mean, it's sad lyric. Yeah. He's lost this girl and she ain't coming back. Yeah. I think, but it's a sad yeah. lyric with a peppy sort of. A, yeah. You know, and I call it cross casting. Yeah, and it works. It does work. But it only works, I feel like, when it's intentional. Right. And, and, right. I, and I feel like when people just are just not getting the vibe of a song and they're playing shit that doesn't fit, then it's just bad. Then it's just bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming because I think you've really hit on something Okay, big. check this one last thought and then no, I'm going to let no, you go. Okay. No, no, keep uh, going. Along these lines, uh, when I listen to a song, I've always said, I've said this to a million people. Sorry if you're hearing me say this for the millionth time. When I listen to a song... I close my eyes and I picture myself on a canoe going down a river and I'm just taking in all the sights, man, like feeling the vibe of what's going on. And, and when something happens inside that song that I feel like doesn't fit the emotional target, it's like a clown jumping out on the riverbank with like a big red nose just going, ah, you know, like right. taking right. me out of my my lovely canoe trip that I was on. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I, I mean, I, I like, we all like songs of all, I like Marilyn Manson as much as I like Gordon Lightfoot. Right. And I'm just saying, whatever that thing is, whether it's a fucking heavy thing mm -hmm. or if it's a super like Elliot Smith kind of dark, sad thing or a pop dance song. I mean, as long as it's all hitting in the right place. And when I'm playing guitar, I feel like I, I'm really able to zone in on what, I may not play the exact lick that the guy likes, and he, I may have to alter it a bit for them to like it, but I feel like I always am pretty freaking close to where that emotional target, I'm rarely ever, because I'm paying so much attention to that, rarely ever off the mark. The main thing about demoing a song is to just relax and, you know, let it do what it wants to do. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, like, one other thing I'll say along the lines of what I was just saying you know, I always thought when I was a bit younger that anybody who's a session player has to stay extremely like current with what's happening in in, in it's music. It's a great area. Yeah, right. let's talk about that. And and like you know, I, I, there, there's there's a lot. Okay, look, it's, any session player who spends time listening to whatever is happening right now is you're, you're helping yourself. It's cool. I'm not, but like I've I've noticed that myself and other guys have managed somehow to like keep going even though you know I hardly ever listen to any modern pop music or anything like that. I mean I know like the big hits, but I don't right. really go fishing out anything like that. Yeah. 
And I just sort of take in all the music that's around me and everything, like in restaurants and stores and things like that. I'm just sort of constantly like whatever's going on. But I realize now, I think I worried about that too much. I think I worry. I always thought that like, oh, if I stop listening to modern music that my, I won't be able to do this anymore. But what ends up just trying to stay cutting edge. Yes, but here's what happens, though. I feel like if you go even further back and you really study, like there are devices that are happening in music that are ancient, like the like the devices that happen in movies. You can go see some brand new movie mm -hmm. and it'll be amazing. And it's, it's blockbuster. It's like everybody loves it. But a lot of the devices that are being used oh, yeah. in this movie are ancient. It hasn't changed hasn't since changed. Greece. So, yeah. And yeah. Music, music is exactly the same way. Yeah. If you are like a, like an open-minded musician and you know your homework, you know you've studied records the way you should, you'll know all those devices instinctively. And I feel like it's like that's how you stay current, man. Is that right. crazy? Like, No, like, no, no. Because it's a it's a... It's a more what they call what a thirty thousand foot look. It's that's that's where the the that's where the big money is totally. And I think um, if, I don't know how to say this. Your your abilities are so above what's required oh, that you. I mean you have such a deep well. It's not like you're going to run out even if you quit listening. You you, you got kind <laughs> yeah. of a full battery. <laughs> you're the first guy. I just thought of something. You're the first guy who ever told me um, the Einstein quote which is what you're talking about. Originality is clever reorganization of existing ideas. Yeah. Do you remember telling me that? I think I put it, uh, originality is nothing but undetected imitation. Okay. Same that same idea. Same idea. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Listening to all these yeah. records. Yeah. And as writers, we do it too as writers. Yeah. We're, 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 we're borrowing little parts. Totally. Um, I did write a couple notes here while you were talking and I know these are cliche questions, but it might lead us in a cool area. Like, I'm not going to say what's your favorite session because yeah. you've played on like almost every hit country record there was. And, and I mean, you played on so many big records, but what kind of sessions are the most fun for you? Yeah, man. And you, you've kind of covered question. that a yeah, little bit. Yeah. I, I just like it when, when I was, when oh, I can answer this very simply, really. Uh, I retired from sessions for like three years. I didn't do any sessions. I, I, I got so fried. And I had a music store for a while, selling yeah. guitars and turning down everything. And and what what I learned throughout that process, I never thought I was coming back, honestly, because I was so fried. But, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to talk about that. Yeah. You, what was your called? Fifth, third gear? Second Se gear. Second gear. Music store. Cool yeah. place, too. Thank you. We're all sorry that's not there. I know. Me, too. And you decided you weren't going to play sessions. Oh, man. I remember I was really depressed in a dark place. And my, I remember my, my father-in-law came into town, like, run Christmas. And he was like, I heard you're not sleeping. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, what's the matter? I go, I'm just super freaked out and depressed. And he's like what's the matter with you? And I said, I just can't die a session player. I can't, I just can't, That's there has to be something else. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I always wanted to have a music store. And he was like, just do it. And then like in a month's time, I, I had a building rented and I was doing it, you know, I was originally going to do it by myself and then I realized there's no way I could have done it. And you that. had Rick. And Rick come in, yeah. yeah. And uh, so that was all great and I don't regret any of that. I so, learned. But let's back up. So, and I don't want to get too personal with you. I don't mind. But I'll tell you so, what happened. I was doing six, seven days a week, 13 hours a day. 
mean, that's a lot. And then like, and you're not clocking in, man. These no, are big yeah, records. Yeah, Everybody yeah. in the building is freaking out yeah. that this has got to work. It's, yeah. And and back in those days, I I just there's a lot of things that were sort of you know not lining up. And 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 uh, you know one thing that I have learned is it, it is anyone who expects to get artistic satisfaction out of being a session player is grossly misguided. You can have great moments, right? But you're never going to get full artistic satisfaction the way you would being your own artist or having your own cool band or whatever. But anyway, what happened, uh, it took me about a year or two to figure out what had driven me out of the music business. And I, and I realized that it was, uh, or or the session world was because the, the one thing, and this is circling back to the question you asked about like what I enjoy, what kind of sessions I like. All I care about on a session, man, is that, the people, I don't care if the music's great or if it's horrible, as long as the people working on it really care about what's happening. Right. And you would be amazed at how many people work around here in a sort of a data collecting way where they just want you to go out there and spew take after take of unnecessary parts that don't even need to be on the record because they just want to be able to weed through a million parts later. The kitchen sink. And man, I've always prided myself on sort of old school musician sort of things like like a great performance. This take has some magic. Right. People don't think like that anymore. They're like no, they're just fire hosing it. Fire hosing it, man. And and man, and, that, and what we're saying is they're they're doing seven tracks of electric uh, guitar, Lord. and then they'll do a high strung, uh, a low strung, yeah, a banjo, yeah. mando. I mean, there's 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 like sixty tracks, and it's just like. Phil no, Spector gone crazy, God, but actually they, Phil Spector made great records. Yeah, he made that, great records yeah. But it's like this, just ho- I call it hose it down. Totally. It's just like covering everything in the movie business. They do this too. Do they? Yeah, maybe a director who's not it's quite as confident. Yeah, a million different. Let's set up this takes, scene and yeah. we'll shoot it from every angle possible, and wow. then we won't miss anything. And our editor, you know, is going, "Holy Jesus! Wow! Now I got now I got all this shit. To, I mean, too many choices. Jesus. That's the whole digital revolution. That's the problem with the digital totally. revolution. Too many choices. Totally. The undo button. Hundred percent. I'll get passionate about this one. Oh, dude! You can drown in your own choices. You can. I've seen it happen. You know, I feel I feel like uh, when, when I look up and I'm I'm out there doing the third track of guitar on some song that only needed one track really. And I look through the glass, and the guy's not even paying attention. They're like talking to somebody else, right. and, you know. And it's like, that's what killed me. Okay, is the the amount of uh, just completely like thoughtless recording, and not a real passion for no what was passion happening. at all, and yeah. or even the opposite, just not giving a crap, not giving a crap. And then I'm just gonna smoke up later and go through all these tracks in my own little den. Uh, I'll make something out of it. It's like, man, I don't want to record like that. I don't like doing that. And uh, so my whole thing is like I've sort of weeded out all those types of people. You know, I I don't when I did come back and start working again, I didn't I'd sort of avoided all that. And it's got my head in a much better place. And now I'm at the point now where I just enjoy sessions so much more. You know, I I, as long as. And most of the, 90% of the people I work for this way, like, I know they care. They, they're, they're worried about the tone. They're worried about, you know, they, oh, man, maybe you should leave that second note out because it's better with the three notes. I'm, I'm into that. I love it when people are, like, you know, trying to collaborate and trying to make something great. 
Because yeah. I can throw you all kind of ideas. I don't know right. if any of them are any good. Right. But I'll give you a bunch of shit that you can go, oh, I love that, man. Okay, cool. Just darken up that tone a little bit and maybe don't do it in the second verse, you know? And it's like, I'm yeah. into it. I'm like. So where you're collaborating on a yes, part. A part. Yes. I love and, that. And the hose down approach is you just got a bunch of data. And really, it's reducing you. It's removing your artistry. Totally. Because it's turning you into a computer. Totally. Really, it's like you should get an AI guitar player. Totally. And just like. Totally. What do you, I mean. Well, and here's the thing that people don't realize about that is that any good musician, what makes you a good musician is your reactionary part of your brain. I can't, I'm not going to go for a lick or, or a melody or something when there's some other melody playing. I instantly, I make room for whatever's going on around me. Like I'm a. Like, right. like a basketball player knows we're all like a full court vision. If there's a guy that's already over here, I'm not going to, I, I, somebody's playing something. I'm not just going to play over the top of it. Right. You know, so it, you end up with these sort of neutered, restricted tracks. Cause we're all trying to somehow stay, save some room in this thing. Because nobody's making choices. Nobody's making choices. Nobody's staked a flag in yeah, anything. Yeah. When you're tracking with five guys out there live, before we get a take, we've all staked out where we're at. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like, these guys are so good at, at like responding. Like, I mean, I on the first track, the first take of a song, you're going to have a couple train wrecks, right? Mm -hmm. There's a couple guys playing where the other guy goes to play. But on the second take, that shit's all miraculously healed with nobody even saying a word. Because we all remember, oh, I, w I went to play there that one time and he was already doing something. And it's like, man, it's just amazing how it's just sort of self- yeah you know organizes itself and it's like you know all those sort of you know old world musical um skills skill set is sort of lost on this and and again this is another thing that makes me feel like an antique for even talking about these things but this is how i learn music and this is what i know and i'll mm -hmm. die this guy you know so it's like, I just, and I feel like, you know, there is some wisdom in some of these things. And I feel like, oh, yeah. you know, the, the reason it is age old advice is because I learned it from greats. You know what I mean? Uh, it can't just be all of a sudden obsolete, this, this these types of thoughts. I mean, I, I mean, every day if you're listening, you're going to hear something that somebody says that's like, yes, man, that is so what it is, man. Well, and I always say it on our podcast, but I believe it. Um, being a songwriter or a musician or both or any part, it's really, you can't separate, you shouldn't separate it from just being a human being no. and experiencing life. And I think it's all part of just sort of an evolution of yourself. Totally. Yeah. And this guy, this guy I had breakfast with this morning, my dear friend, uh, Ebo, he was saying he, he, you know, he's not very you know, sort of sentimental type and he rarely ever says anything sappy, but he, he goes, man, I was just thinking on the way in this morning about how this this town, you know, and uh, he's lived here forever, like me. And he was saying, like, one of the things he loves about Nashville is, like, it's like a, it, you don't end up here unless you're real serious about music. Right. Like, I, I mean, Nashville's changed a lot, but it's still a land of great opportunity for all of us. Yes. Very crowded, much more crowded than it was. Yeah, but it is, and we all came here. Yeah. Right, it's and like that's what we all have in common. Your, your we aunt, came here, your auntie, to get yeah. into this game, right? Yeah, you know, and we all may be very different, and not I'm not into the same thing this guy's into or whatever. But at least we're serious enough about this shit that we move somewhere. And it's, I get that you know. question often. It's like, should I move to Nashville? Yeah, and there's there's no metric 
that you can assign to should I move to Nashville. Yeah. Because you don't want to tell somebody to do it if it's not going to work out, but you don't know if it's going to work out. You yeah. just don't know. Yeah. And you can always go back. I don't know what the – it always seems like such a big decision for people. Should I move there? Should I not? It you was know, for me, like, man. I, I know, but looking back at yeah. it now, it's like, well, you, you can always go back. Yeah. It's not – I mean, you just put your shit in a van and yeah, go. Right. I mean, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? I mean, yeah. just move. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I honestly, and I've never really said that on our podcast, but that's how I really yeah. feel about it. Yeah. You know, do you ever feel this like this? A uh, question for you. Um, you know, God, hell, I moved here when I was 24, 1992. I'm 51 now. And, I, and sometimes younger people will ask me, you know, guitar players or whatever, want to be, you know, session guys or live guys. They'll say, like, ah, man, you need any advice, you know, for how do you break into stuff? And it's like... Yeah, I've got some advice, but I don't. I don't know if any of my advice applies anymore. I'm hmm. not trying to sound like I'm a, like like a relic, but I just feel like the way that it was, the, the, everything was yeah. when I was young, coming up doing the stuff and busting into this and that. I don't think I think it's so different. It's now. different now. And I would I would be afraid that I would give this sort of you know misleading antiquated advice. I mean, there are certain universal truths that are always going to be there. Sure. But a lot of the stuff like, you know, like how to logistically go get a gig or whatever, I don't know if it's, it's first, why would a guy who doesn't even have any social media at all be giving someone advice about how to network? Well, right? because you've done what they want to do. I don't know, man. But but yeah, the I'm, truth is, I think it has changed. It's big change. And uh, on the writing side, I would give totally different advice now. I mean. You and I are roughly the same age. Don't you feel like we caught. We got oh, a absolutely. brief glimpse of the tail end of the music we, business. We came in, we we got it, we got our wings in the glory days. Barely, and, barely, and like I I just saw barely. a year or two of it before it all sort of yeah uh, yeah. And I worry about session players too. Totally, yeah, totally. Is there less work now than there was ten years ago, or is uh, there not? I feel like there's the same. There's as much work. But there's just no money, right? I mean, like all the all the gigs that used to be good paying gigs is like pretty much dried up. You know, you can still make a living and all that, but man, you yeah. can still make a living for still. sure, and it's a great way to make a living. It's uh, it's a beautiful way to make a living, and everyone still wants. If to, you have a high tolerance for risk, right? Exactly, and everybody there's still the great desire to make music. Everybody wants to make music, you know. And I mean, I love that things are totally different rules now. I mean, my favorite thing about all this modern stuff. That and the positive is that you could, if you were so good at something, you could just film a video of you doing it in your kitchen, whatever it may be. You could even sit and play, sing a song, and uh, put it on YouTube, and you could you could become a celebrity. Because, yeah. If it was that amazing, because all of this technology, yeah, is driving toward real talent. Yeah. It's dry. This yeah. is this is a great point, yeah. Tom. Yeah. Because. There's people on YouTube making good livings, yeah. singing cover songs. Yeah. But you know what? They're great singers. They're great singers. They're true great singers, yeah. and they're they're singing great songs. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when people had streaming to where they could, they they didn't have their music curated by a radio. Right. They're just able to have access to anything ever recorded, even on new music. You know, people really love great stuff. They do. Like the executives back that were running the town back when we were doing this. Yeah. They thought the public was dumb yeah, yeah i know that cool stuff is cool i like it too but yeah. our audience is dumb <laughs> that's kind of they never said that but that to me was the vibe <laughs> that was definitely the vibe it was the vibe it was the vibe. It's like oh 
Well, yeah, yeah. I, I love Lucinda Williams. She's my favorite, but, you know, the yeah. country fans won't go for that. Right, right, right. But really now, talented people are winning. Yeah, it's good. And that's great. It is. You know, even in my, like, I just, once in a while, I'll just get, get bored and I'll do a quick little video of me goofing around on a guitar with my own pitiful iPhone. I, I watch them. I'll put, a, put up a few videos on YouTube and, you know, I like the fact, I, people say, why don't you make a solo record? Why don't you make it, like, I would rather see a guy sit there in front of me and play something that, you know, like with, with no punches, no editing, nothing. Let me just see what you can do. Yeah. That's what I love about that. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, I'd rather see a guy sing right there in a the room in front of sure. me instead of listening to a comp vocal. Of right. Because like, anybody can sound great when you comp the shit out of it. But like, man, I'm impressed by people that can like, you know, play something awesome or sing something awesome right there in front of you. Yeah. That's, isn't that what, it's amazing. And then you, and then I always think about what Freddie Mercury would be thinking about all this because, you know, he spent months working on one masterpiece, right? Of, of the many yeah. masterpieces that he made. But for example, if you, if you heard, if somebody came out with something like Bohemian Rhapsody now, you would immediately think, Oh God, he must have just protilled the shit out of that. I wonder he probably did it. It took him two days to do that probably. But he did that shit with no tuning, with no digital manipulation whatsoever. That was live performances captured on tape. And I was think I wonder what he would be thinking if he was still alive and he was hearing all these like technological amazing things that people were making, but knowing that they were like CGI versions of and he did it for yeah, real. He did it for real. And man, I feel like maybe that is what people are resonating with. These young kids we mentioned earlier yeah. about the greatness of that music, yeah. you know, like they must be able to sense that danger of that or something. Right? I think I think you're right. I think, and you were you were you you remember when you broke your hand? Yeah, yeah. Right in the middle of that, like two weeks. I tried to. I had I worked on a record with Robin Zander yeah. from Cheap Trick. And yeah. You had just broken your hand. Right. So you couldn't play. Yeah. And I had to replace you with somebody. But the first session for that thing, he came in and sang scratch, scr yeah. quote unquote, scratch vocal yeah. with the band. And when he let loose, it's 10 oh, in the morning, man. Dude, he's amazing. Oh, my God. He he started singing that song, Julian and I. And you know Julian's, yeah. not, I mean, he's seen everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. he is not surprised, okay? <laughs> I just leave it to that. He is no, you cannot surprise Julian King. Yeah. He we both jumped and started laughing hysterically oh, man. because of how great it was. Oh man. Here's the thing. I, I think of it this way. Uh that exact thing you're talking about, and I thought that goes through my mind a lot. And we've all experienced this thing. My sweet wife has the ability of, of, of there's a lot of people that can do this. Well, there's not a lot of people. There's some people that can do this. They can go into a crowded bar that's full of people who didn't come to see them and they could walk up on the stage and instantly shut them all up when they start singing without anybody saying, Hey, you know, you guys should be quiet because this singer's right. getting up. It's like, she doesn't even have to say a word. She'll walk up there and start singing. And then everyone's like slow. I was like drinks clinking. And all of a sudden within a couple seconds, it's like silence. Because everyone, they can't look away from it. I've seen her do this over and oh, over. Oh, I believe and it. Over. She's an incredible singer. And and like, man, it's it's fascinating. And there's we've all been around musicians, singers that can do that. Stop traffic, basically. 
you look back at like the Tammy show, the 1964 thing where they, where the, they show that like, all these amazing artists like James Brown and Stones and Beach Boys all singing on this great show. And the Beach Boys get up with no monitors or anything. And they get up and they just do this amazing performance of like this incredible singing and they're all singing dead in tune with no monitors. Yeah. It's like those guys were real. Yeah. They were really great. Not studio creations. Not studio creations. I love yeah. what you said, uh, CGI. Yeah, yeah, right. Musical yeah, CGI. It's musical CGI, it is. Yeah. And and to circle back around, maybe we've got a shot at getting back to that. I hope so. Because we've got YouTube and some so. kid in Davenport, Iowa, yeah. who's 10 and she's just like, doesn't even look like she would do this. She opens her mouth and even on an iPhone, right. you're like, holy shit. That is real. You know, that that's the great thing about technology. I love that. No, and that thing behind you, bane of my existence. What's that? that? Thing. Oh, the Kemper. I am not a fan. Okay, so just so that we know, we're talking about uh, guitar amp modeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's more people than Kemper making it. There's fractals yeah. and yeah. all that stuff. You know, I I will never be caught dead. I noticed. <laughs> I noticed you look like uh, it was like you're. Like you're a vampire and it's holy water. Yeah, when you I walked do, in, yeah, you walked around I, it. I do not subscribe to any of that stuff. Sorry. Well, it's, it's, it goes along with my sort of purist mentality. You are. Yeah. First of all, I respect you more than anyone about guitars. <laughs> Secondly, but you got to give me one thing. Okay. This is just ease of use. No, I know. Do you see any use for it live? Just because it's easy? No. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. I want to hear it. No, I just, There's going to be a lot of guitar players who tune into this because they love you and they follow I you. Do, and oh, they they want to know what you think about. I can feel them. Oh. They want to know they want to know why. Oh man. You know, I don't even care anymore. I'll just be brutally honest. I just feel like it's just it is not real. It is total it's totally against everything I believe in. It's like I understand clearly like you said why people use them and why and why people do that i get it but i i will never ever and, and it's because it's it's not an organic thing like guitar tone and the sound of of a guitar when it's good and a microphone and a speaker interacting in a, in a cool room is just it's once you get used to that man there's nothing better It'll never be better. It's been great on a million records that we all loved, and it'll always be great. Um, um, and you can get great sounds with some of these modeling things. Like I'm, I'm not saying that people haven't done great things with them. I'm, it just won't be me. I've used them at, at, at gunpoint, basically on cer on certain sessions <laughs> where where people said there was no other option. There's people in offices working right next to my room here. I can't even put like a Princeton. In a, in, a, in a week, it's going to drive everybody crazy. I'll be like, okay, what do you got? I got this camera. You have to use it. It's like, okay. And I and I play through it just in misery the whole time. I mean, I just can't do it. I mean, and look, man, I, you know, I, I'm just so, I guess I'm spoiled, man. I'm spoiled. I've been using all these great old amps for a long time. Well, it's like, it's like, it'd be like somebody like who, who collected muscle cars their whole life and was a, totally used to driving a 68 Dodge Charger 440. And somebody all of a sudden asks you to drive like uh, you know uh, some virtual car and didn't even have a motor, right? You know, it's like no, I'm not doing that, right? Well, it doesn't work the way you want it no, to work. No, no, it's not the right tool for your no. work. I can dial up these 
strategies of all these effects and all this stuff. Yeah. And I hit a chord and it's like, wow. Yeah. It's a big yeah. stereo reverb. And yeah. it's just like, really sounds way better than I can get out of my matchless. Yeah. Right. It's impressive. Yeah. It sounds good. Right. Right. But it's a trick. Yeah, it's a trick. It's a trick. It is. But it's a really good trick. It's a good trick. And yeah. for a guy who's not a master level player, it's a helpful trick. Totally. I get that. I, one of the things that always makes me laugh, I, just, I, I said this joke a while back to a friend of mine who uses Kempers, and I thought it was just so funny. Every once in a while, I'd crack myself up. <laughs> I just said, you know, I was in a band, uh, like Derek Trucks is, is, my, is my guitar, one of my guitar idols. Yeah. Talk about a purist. I mean, the guy won't even use a tuner. He, he has to plug the guitar right in the amp, and he's just so unbelievable and keeps getting better and better and better. I was on a gig playing in a band, in a jam band circuit, and uh, we opened for them. And uh, I remember being up on stage, and he just sat on the side of the stage on a road case and just watched the whole show. And we killed that day. And I remember having a good day, and I thought, you know, I'm... I'm perfectly fine with the fact that he was there. I was a little nervous that he's sitting there watching because the guy's like my idol. But I just think I just thought, how would I have felt if I was up on the stage at that moment playing through a Kemper <laughs> while he's on a road case on the side of the stage watching me. You see yeah, what I'm that saying? Been good. That would not be cool. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to say, hey man, uh I need to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, I mean, they, no, made, they made me play the Kemper. They, they, they have a Kemper endorsement, an instant, and I have to do it. It's like an instant disclaimer. It's like, yeah, yeah I have to do it, dude. Yeah. Well, I guess we could probably talk all day. Yes, we could. Um, we could I'm do the overdub think, session while we're doing this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll film the overdub session. <laughs> yeah. um, I've really loved talking to you, man. man it's me too. Such, I am so excited because I've thought about getting you on our podcast so many times. Yeah. And, uh, it just occurred to me while we were talking, man, we should just record this talk. Yeah, because as soon as I walked in the door, we got into some heavy rap. We did. We got yeah. into heavy, a heavy rap. <laughs> I don't know where we were going, but we were going heavy. Um, yeah. I hope that I've covered enough. We didn't cover your guitar playing as much, and people are going to see you listed in the podcast and because you got a lot of guitar nerds that love you, mm. rightfully so. Oh, thanks, man. Um they're going to come listen to this interview and they're going to be like, why the fuck did he ask them about <laughs> the Keith Urban record pickups, or what yeah. strings does he yeah, use? Yeah. Well, there's, there's bigger things in life to talk about. When we think and, we and got really there. those yeah. smaller things, like you're saying about Dan Dugmore, it's mm -hmm. in his fingers. Totally. It's the player, not the tool. Yeah, totally. Right. hundred percent. And you know, that's difficult to know. And it's also salvation. Yeah. Just get in there and yeah. do it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. It's it's within your grasp. It is. It's just how much you want to do, how, yeah. how much, how hard you want to practice. That's all it is. That's all it is. And how hard you want to experiment. Did you, you probably had the same thing. I was telling somebody this the other day. Last thing. Uh, even when I was young, I, I, I didn't know how to make it right, but I knew when it wasn't right. Yep. That's the thing. I mean, like I, I couldn't. You know, I'd, I'd be playing something, I'd, I was like, this is not it. This is not what I'm picturing. But I didn't know how to get there. I think when you just get a little older, you just learn how to get there. You, 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 you've got a full warehouse of parts now. Yeah. And when you see a problem, you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> Aisle six. Aisle six is back behind there. I, I knew we'd need that someday. <laughs> All right, we're going to end our podcast on that. Thanks for having me, man. This has been really Tom fun. Bukovac. Thanks. I uh, hesitate for one grown man to tell another grown man <laughs> how much I fucking love you. Love you, man. But I do. I know, man. I know. I do. I love you too, dude. We've All always right. had love. For we, have. we have. We have always had, had love. Yeah. Um, 
All right. We'll right, see dude. you soon. Tom Bukovac on Pitch List. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. We also want to know what songwriters, artists, or music business professionals you want to hear from next. Let us know by visiting our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. I can't tell you how many cuts I got (laughs) by putting a badass in the booth and letting them fix all my dumb shit. Is that, should I not say that? I love that, man.